With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Bet with Tote and support racing in the UK and Ireland. Day three of the greatest show on turf, Cheltenham 2021. Thank you so much for joining us and you are in the right place. I'm Emma Kennedy and this is the Gravy Train. And I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by Final Furlong Podcast legend, Mr. Rory DeLarge. Hello. Who hopefully, by this point, has already landed massive gambles and loads of gravy for us already. Of course, we don't quite know because we're recording ahead of time, but I I suspect you will have. Uh, We are also joined by uh, a man who is uh, an absolute genius, quite frankly, when it comes to Cheltenham. Um, He will forget more about Cheltenham than most people will ever know. And it is a real honor to have him back on the show. Uh, Mr. Matt Toombs, welcome back to the Final Fallen Podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are around the world. Uh, let's start with the uh, opening race, the Marsh Novices Chase. As we switch to the new course uh, at Cheltenham, and just briefly, your thoughts on on that, uh, Matt. Um, the the new course and the old course, two very very different tracks. Uh, how does that change your betting approach to the next two days of Cheltenham? They are different tracks, but it's. I think it's sometimes a little bit overplayed. The old course, obviously sharper, more of a speed track. There are on the hurdles course. There are hurdles towards the end of the race. When you get onto the new course, there are only two hurdles in the last seven furlongs. So a lot is often made about how it's not so much of a test of jumping. The new course on the hurdles track, on the chase track, and we'll come onto this with a couple of the races in particular, the Ryanair and the Plate. You, you've got a, a big advantage for front runners in particular there. And it's a much more galloping track, much stiffer track on the new course. So do have that in mind, but don't get over obsessed that this is a totally different track. You often hear people saying, oh, I'd much rather back him on the old course than the new course. Yes, mm. you want to say, but to be honest, if you're winning on one course, you probably ought to be. That's a fair point. Um, I think some people will be uh, a little bit confused when it comes to the the Grand Annual this season and, and, and what to do, uh, given that it's now switched to, to the old course. But um, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, Rory, for you, does your betting mentality at all change? as uh, we switch to the new course? Uh, only, uh, again, as Matt said, it's, it's a matter of, of nuance. I'm, I'm aware of, I will think of it specifically, I suppose, in terms of um, uh, how certain races develop over hurdles. Um, I think um, on the old course, you've, um, you've always got to be handy or you need luck or you need to be different class. To be winning races on the on the hurdles course uh, on the um, on the old course, um, and 
on the new course, it's much less important to have a to have a good early place, but it's very important shortly after the second last hurdle to improve your position or to be where you want to be in the race. That's where it really develops, and you don't see you see um, you see races develop very early. Uh, it, you know, you've seen champion hurdles where um, before they've got to halfway, you, you kind of you can see what's going to happen. Mm. Um, whereas on the new course. There are lots of races where the complexion changes markedly as um, the field concertinas between the, the second last and last hurdle. And there's a long run there. Uh, and obviously because of, there's less uh, emphasis on jumping, people tend to focus on that. Uh, and they look at horses who, who maybe they wouldn't back normally because they're poor jumpers. I, I still I still wouldn't back a bad jumper, uh, generally speaking. Um, but... Uh, I would think about where's this horse going to be? What is this jockey going to be doing um, to, to get him into contention? Um, is he, has he got the right run style uh, for that? Whereas generally speaking on the, on the old course, you're just looking at horses who've got the, who, you know, who, who are blessed with tactical speed. I don't, you don't really need tactical speed on the, on the new course as much as you need class uh, in, in relative terms. So I think about that sometimes. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, I think I think of the, the final stages on the uh, on the new course over fences as being um, being more galloping. When you think about the changes made to the old course in terms of the sighting of the last uh, the second last fence, for example, I think it's one of those uh, you still can't just open up off the last bend on the old course um, because the, the fence comes up too soon uh, for jockeys just to give give um, their mounts full rein and let them do what they want because they'll often end up coming to that fence on the wrong stride. So jockeys have to be aware as they're coming around that tight final bend, I need to just keep a hold of this horse's head and make sure that he sees a stride at the second last and then I can ride my race. Whereas on the new course, you don't have that worry. Um, the, 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 the fences come up uh, in slightly more naturally um, so you can commit uh, further from home if that's what you want to do. Um, so I think that's, that's a little bit of a difference. But generally speaking, you're still, you're still looking at uh, uh, the same horses. You're just uh, imagining what might tip the balance in the closing stages. Invaluable insight from both men. Uh, let's get the invaluable insight from them for the races themselves. Uh, the Marsh Novices Chase, obviously uh, the horse that I consider to be the most exciting horse in training over jumps, Envoyalon, now in the care of Henry de Bromhead, is uh, a short price favorite for the Marsh. He is now f- four to seven. Um, you can get four to six, but he's generally seven to four on uh, for the Marsh. Shan Blue, your second favorite at 13 to two. Uh, Chantry House for the Nicky Henderson yard, uh, around about six to one, seven to one. Is a bit of a sea of blue for him on. Uh, on the machine and uh, Mick Winters, who of course has already trained this horse to win at uh, Cheltenham earlier in the season, Chatham Street lad, a uh, twelve to one shot with Fusel Ravels, uh, who we have to mention uh, at sixteens. Uh, Matt, what kind of uh, profile of a horse are are you looking for here? I mean, I've I'm, I've got uh, a list of trends as long as your arm here. Uh, nine of the last ten winners were Irish 
or French bread, Irish five, French four. All 10 winners contested a graded novice chase last time out. Uh, nine finished first or second. Uh, and five-year-olds, zero from six. British bread horses, zero from nine. Thank you, Weatherby's. Um, what kind of horse are you looking for uh, in the Marsh novices chase? And, and obviously, we then have to talk about the fact that Envoy Alain stands out. And is it just a case of he turns up for Munzi's third race in a row for Chivley Park at Cheltenham? Well, I'm a big believer that two-mile chases are about raw speed. And raw ability is crucial. Being able to jump at that eyes-out gallop. Three-mile chases, I place much more emphasis on being able to get into a rhythm, conserve energy, and in novice races, being battle-hardened over fences. Now, this is obviously an intermediate trip. Remember, it's not the same as the Ryanair or the plate. It's run over about a furlong shorter. It's two mile, three furlongs, 168 yards, bit of doling out. It's usually just under two and a half miles. And if the ground is decent, and it'll probably have dried out to, to proper good to soft is my best guess at the moment on the Thursday, then I think that this race is more about, more like the two mile chases than the three mile ones. It's more about raw ability than being battle hardened. One indication of raw ability um, to go along with the, the trends you've mentioned is grade one hurdles form. Mm. 18 grade one winning hurdlers have lined up in this, six of one. You'd made 144% profit backing them blind. Whoa. It, it, is, it is about that absolute um, level of ability that very few horses have. And we often talk in the article about how specialist it is and that very few horses can jump at that pace. This is probably a bit more akin to that test than people think, which is why those horses get under bet, and Envoylem fits that profile perfectly. Rory, who is your selection going to be in the Marsh Novices Chase? Is it just impossible to get away from Envoylem? Are you happy to get the Delargy wheelbarrow out, pour out all the money, and get stuck into them? Or do you want to have uh, an each-way bet against them? I've got to mention that there has been a very good each-way bet for this race for, for some time, and uh, it's uh, it's wonderfully controversial uh, because uh, of, of the reaction to oh. someone tipping this horse up. Oh, lovely. Uh, Come on. Post. I know you'll love it because you uh, you were involved in this as well. Chatham Street Lad uh, tipped up in the, in the, in the um, I think, the weekend or recent football outlook. Um at oh, thirty-three yes. to one, and the backlash for James Hill got for. And in fairness, it was a, a rookie error trying to say this horse is a good each way bet, and he wants to crack an each way bet. Chatham, Chatham Street Lad yeah. close to thirty-three to one, um, but saying Envoy Allen's not that good, and then of course everyone's like, "How dare you say Envoy Allen's not that good?" Um, but they missed the point that Chatham Street Lad uh, was a was a big bet for this based on the uh, the form that he shows. Um, when winning the um, the Caspian Caviar Gold Cup, now I wouldn't back with the current prices. I'm not I'm not putting them up here, but I, I do have to I do have to hark back to that because that was actually a good tip. Um, and aside from slagging uh, Nvy Allen off, which was which was unnecessary and not not particularly well done, um, so there was there was underlying logic to it. Um, but I was quite, I quite enjoyed the the massive massive the biggest Twitter pylon of the entire year. Jesus, close the racing post down. We can't have this nonsense. To, to be fair to to James, he got absolutely pummeled. Look, if if you wanna if you wanna say that you don't think Envoyalan is is that good, fine. Like that that's that's okay. I think he worded it wrongly. 
he could have spoken about him with a bit more respect, given you what he's that, achieved. You know, however, as, as a, however, what I will say is the 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 sub editor did him no favors whatsoever by putting that up as the headline, because the the Twitterati who don't actually read these articles, they just read the the headline. Like they're the ones who who went what the f- and went nuts. Well, it got it got a lot of hits, so I, I think they would argue the sub editors on a tremendous job on that. <laughs> um, yeah, the one thing I will say there, there's no, there's no. Oh, you should you should have more respect for the horse that you don't think is going to win a grip. No, you shouldn't. As a punter, you don't grind respecting horses. You back horses that are value. But I, I do. Um, I respect it. them. Well, fair enough, but that's it's nonsense. I'm just telling you that now. Um, you don't you don't walk into you don't walk into stable yard and give the horse that you're backing against the fingers and go up oh, yours and boy Alan I'm gonna get you beat. Well, there was uh, that there was that meme, Rory. Uh, well, <laughs> don't read memes, of course. To, to be fair, there was there was the meme of uh, Sir Gerard arriving in Willie Mullins' yard meeting Kilcrude, and uh, it's the picture from Father Ted of the of priest who never got on with him, giving him the two fingers. It's like I'm here now, son, and I'm taking over. So, I've got mine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chatham, Chatham Street Lad is, is not the horse that you're going to, to put up, but to be fair, no, if, I, if, if you're on a, yeah, if you're on a 33s, you've done well. To be fair to Chatham Street Lad, he looked deadly at Cheltenham and um, Mick Winters was incredibly bullish about him at the time. Uh, subsequently, he ran, he ran a similar sort of race. It just it was it was back and trip to two miles, and he didn't get he didn't get the pace he wanted um, in that race. He was forced to make the running himself, so he didn't run he didn't run far below form at all. So Shan Blue is the obvious one. Uh, if there isn't much pace in the race to uh, um, to dominate as um, as he did when winning at Kempton, he's going to look like the, the second best horse in the race. But he might end up finding himself swamped from the last. I think that's a fair point. But I just think he's a much more reliable jumper than Chantry House, for example. Um, I, I wouldn't have Chantry House at the prices. I don't think he deserves to be close to Shan Blue in the betting on what they've shown um, so far. Um, and I, I wouldn't be mad on... Um, actually, he's, a, he's an okay-ish price. Fusil Raffles, uh, you know, he's not going to not going to be getting involved early on, but I think he'll... Um, I think he'll stay on and he, he makes some degree of appeal as an each way bet for all. There's not much love for him. He's won three from four this season, but no one likes him. <laughs> he, is in, he is in a few of my tend to follow lines. So um, I'd be delighted if he stumbled across the line at a big price here. But I think if, if there is going to be a shop, it's going to come from Chamblou. I don't really expect there to be a shop. The one thing I want to do is just see Envoy Allen in the paddock. And in the paddock last year before the Ballymore, he was the the standout of the entire festival in terms of look at him among his peers, and you, you can't you just can't ignore him. He absolutely stands out. He's not he's not the biggest horse you've ever seen, but he just has a, enormous presence, huge presence. Um, I think probably the most impressive horse I've ever, I've ever seen in a parade ring at Cheltenham. Um, and I, you know, wow. obviously you get. You're talking about different, you know, I mean, among his peers rather than he's a better looking horse than Best Mate or something like that. Um, just among the horses he was with, he absolutely stood out as being um, on a different plane. Uh, and I imagine it'll be the same this time around, but I'll have a look at him from the, on the TV pictures and see if that's, see if I get the same impression. Um, and they do, I may, I may decide he's worth lumping on. I don't, I'm not really the type to lump on a four to six, eight to 11 shot, but um I could not back him last year, uh, so I ended up having a, having a uh, probably my biggest bet of the 
of the festival and I'm after seeing him in the paddock. Who is your best mess in the marsh? I'm one of those people who, my punting, I don't allow artificial rules. So you'll have people say, I don't bet at odds on, or I don't want to bet bigger than 20 to 1 because that's got a good enough chance of winning. I just look at the price and decide whether I think it should be shorter or longer, all that price. But he looks, he's the beau ideal of the steeplechaser. My guess is that he's the most talented of the three odds-on shots in the grade one novice chases. It's rare to look at a horse and visually find there's nothing you can pick a hole in. It's arguable that his Royal Bond form beating Abacadabras is still his best bit of form. But for me, the key with these superstar novices is to work out when to take them on. And we should be backing his class uh, rather than worrying too much about those sort of minor concerns. And my guess is the time to take him on will be when he steps up into open grade ones over three miles next season, something like the Savills chase. But I think that this is a weak field and rather be with him than against him. Rory, as far as I'm concerned, he's a stone-cold certainty. Uh, I'd, I'd probably back Gam Shambly which way as long as there were eight runners going to post. Matt and I are both all over El Voyelin. Uh The second race of the day is the Pretemps Handicap Hurdle, and um, this is a race that uh, I have been looking forward to all season long. Matt, the kind of profile of a horse you're looking for for the Pretemps, this can be an unbelievably tricky race. However, there is a man who managed to to solve this puzzle. And uh, I'm not just talking about Roy DeLarge tipping the winner for the last few years. A certain suspended trainer managed to win this race three successive years. Uh, Pat Kelly won this race uh, two successive years. There was a time where it was 33 to 1 shots and 25 to 1 shots that were winning left, right and centre. Not necessarily the case now. So what kind of a profile of of horse are you looking for? I think you've summed it up perfectly, Emma. If you're going to use stats and trends, one of the most important things is when a race is changing, not to be dogmatic about using things that are now out of date. And I think this race is a very good example of that for the reasons you've said. It used to be going to some quite old grizzled performers that you couldn't possibly could do, Creoma, both 50 to 1. You know, I could have looked at the race all week and not found them. Mm. But we've had uh, quite a few novices going in. We've had hot pots. Uh, they've been Irish trained the last five, as you said. So I think that it's more about the obvious profiles now. It's being targeted with classier horses. You're presenting Percy obviously went on to win an RSA, Delta Work, grade one winner, Cider Burley leading fancer for the Stayers Hurdle this year. It's not a sort of day-in-the-sun handicap for some 130-odd rated horse in the last few years. So I'd be looking for something classier because of all the circumstances around the festival this year. Whether you be that confident, it will be the same sort of race, I'm not sure. But that would be what I'd be looking for, um, a more like the classic handicap profile of a classy horse on the up. Rory DeLarge, you are the king of the handicaps, Racing Post Naps champion 2020. Come on, solve the puzzle for us. And please don't break my heart. <laughs> uh, I, listen, um, the boss's Oscar um, fits the bill in terms of, of how, this, um, how this race has been developing recently. He's not my selection in the race. Oh, no, no! Um, which, is, which is for, for you know, on, on very similar lines. Uh, my, my selection on this uh, is rather a dull one. Imperial Alcazar at five to one is a very fair price. This is my idea. If they decide to stick to um, hurdles of um, uh, the kind of horse you can be back for next year's stairs hurdle, um, 
he's going places very quickly. He was a horse I liked last year, um, but um, he's he's improved again this season. We got the tactics wrong in his reappearance um, at Haydock. His runs have been in heavy ground this season, but he showed his very best form last year um, on a, on something more akin to sort of spring soft ground. Um, so I don't think uh, quicker ground's uh, going to be any worry for him. Uh, Fergal Bryan admitted getting the tactics wrong rather when when he ran uh, first time out in what was the the fixed brush hurdle at, at Haydock. Uh, he was always close to the pace there, um, and those who were held up ended up coming through. Obviously, main fact um, won that race. The race has worked out very well since with third win. She was first um, place, having won a, a Grade Two since. And Imperial Alcazar, he was far from disgraced uh, in midfield that day, given that he probably would have just needed it. And they um, they ruled him, uh, they essentially changed tactics. Generally speaking, he was held up in his races last year uh, before finishing off well. He was due to go chasing after that, but um, he had a very small setback shortly after, after that run. And then he had, I think, two dates penciled in for a chase debut in December. Both meetings were lost. And um, the connections then decided that uh, that was a sign. They weren't, you know, they didn't really want to be starting off over fences in January with a view to going to Cheltenham, um, short on experience. So they decided they would stick to hurdles and that they would get him qualified for the attempts. And um, he positively bolted up at Warwick in January. I was very impressed by that. Now, people will tell you you shouldn't be winning pretend qualifiers if you want to win the final. Uh, but sometimes you just happen to be so much better than, than your mark that you do. Now, there was a bit of. Um, uh, a bit of carnage in that race. Um, there was trouble around the final bend. Um, he got hampered. Um, other horses got hampered towards the inside. He was he had to go very wide, uh, which is not ideal at Warwick. It's quite a tight um, final bend there. He's had to come wide, but he's he's won um, for me almost on the bridle. Um, and we, asked, we lost I think two or three uh, fallers at the last flight there as well. So you can look at the race and go, "That's rather fallen apart." But for me, the more I look at it, the more I think he was. Um, uh, he did very well to win from where he came from. It wasn't a particularly strongly run race. He came from right at the back of the field. Um, and it was all, I mean, if, if Paddy had stopped him winning the race, he'd never have ridden again, uh, which was uh, clearly wasn't in his mind anyway. But the idea that you can you can give him an eye-catching ride and finish third or fourth at a pretense qualifier, uh, it, it would it would have been impossible for him to find a way not to have win, not to have won the way it panned out in the end, even, even with being hampered. And I just think he's he's thriving. And and all the vibes I'm hearing, and I don't like I don't like uh, listening to vibes. I did interview um um uh, Paul Costello, who's part of the or Paul Costello, part of the um uh of the he runs a syndicate um for Imperial Racing. And um he I spoke to him before he ran at Warwick and he you know he wasn't he wasn't normal, you know hugely bullish. He said this is what the idea is. We're going to have two runners at the festival. He's going to be one of them and we're going to qualify for a pretense qualifier and then that's what he's going to go for. Um, but I've sort of seen comments from him since uh, that his, just, his enthusiasm for this horse has gone through the roof. Um, his confidence seems to be absolutely sky high and, and um, not, you know, I'm very impressed with that, with that performance. I think he's really going places. But that's sort of backed up by, um, uh, by the response from the, from the yard. They seem, to, they seem to have the ideal horse to go to Cheltenham with a handicapper who suddenly improved just you know, uh, with you know, naturally as he's developed, um, and you know, it's, it's a great thing to have. You're going to qualify for the race, and he's doing everything right at home. And you, you know, he's he's a, a better horse than he was uh, last season. And even though he's gone up in the weights, he's gone up eight pounds for winning that. Matt, your 
selection or selections because I'll be honest, I'll have four swings at the Grand National. I'll have no problem having four swings at the Pretemps, except this year, I'm not having four swings at it because I have the winner picked out months ago. Uh, So what is your selection or selections? It's a good strategy. There's plenty of races where you're better off backing two or three than just focusing, I've got to find one bet. I think the obvious two at the front of the market are your two. The bosses ask, I just worry off one five one whether for once the British handicapper has got hold of it. No! It wouldn't surprise me if he won. Uh, Imperial Alcazar, I echo what Roy said, he, he might be the grade one horse we discussed with sort of presenting Percy Delta mm. Work side of Burley in this. I much prefer them of the front three to Champagne Platinum, for example, on a profile. Four years out of the last five, the Leopardstown Christmas qualifier has produced the winner of this. Come so on. It's the classic one everyone looks, what sneaked into fifth or sixth at Leopardstown. Um, and Mrs. Milner uh, is, a, is an interesting horse for Paul Nolan here. She proves she handles Cheltenham with a, a next second to on the blind side of 130 in November. Yeah, he's done well since. She ran a lovely trial at Leopardstown qualifier. She fell midway when only 7-1 to one for the big mayor's handicap hurdle over a much shorter at the Dublin Racing Festival. But assuming she's okay for that, she could well uh, run a good race here. And Paul Nolan is one of my trainers to follow at the festival. He generally comes with a very small and select team and they get under bet. And a couple of them last year, Discorama and latest exhibition were placed. He's won the Marsh in the Fred Winter. He's had horses being placed at huge odds. Discorama, 33s in the Martin Pike, Golden Sunbird, Nora About You, with 66s and 28s in the Mayor's Hurdle. And he's that sort of yard that the punters don't take that seriously. And you can often get a, a, an undervalued price on him. So the yard had been a bit quiet. Uh, they run a lot of long shots, but he had a winner the other day, albeit a slightly fortuitous one. So she could be a, a more solid each way play. She's about 12, 14 to one, I think. Paul Nolan, these are the horses he has entered. Mrs. Milner, that is it. You hope he's gone over with Mrs. Milner, don't you? Uh, he's not even not even running Disco Rama, who's guaranteed yeah. to finish second. He's just, he's given up. He's just given up with all those horses, this Paul Nolan. There's no, oh, Disco Rama. You can't, there's no point running him in races. He can't win them. He's second, three consecutive Cheltenham festivals. And he's pretty much, he might as well have retired the horse. Um, he ran at Cheltenham in, in the season and, and had a breathing problem. She goes, well, I, I, you know, so he knew that was November. Right, so he's had a breathing, he's, he's, we've given him a breathing operation. That's him out now until April. Let's go, Rory, let's go. It's like, the man, the man is just, he must be the just the most... Uh, pessimistic man in sport uh, and it's alright if you're running I mean t- at least Tim Forster ran the horses and then said <laughs> oh, he's probably not going to win you know at least he turned up and ran the bloody horses but not turning up with the horses when they've got the when, I mean what price would Disco Rama be for the Ultima he'd be 6-1 to one. E- yeah easily I was going to say like, 8 uh, it's just no, no, it's just no point no point Ah, sure. Badly handicapped. You've got to, if you're running in a handicap, I mean, basically, if you're running in one of these good handicap chases, you need to be gold cup class to to carry, you know, to carry the weights that he'd be given. Uh, but he's probably going to run the Irish National. So there you go. For me, it's this is all about the bosses, Oscar. I, I, I love him. I think he wins. Uh, respect the lad's uh, opinion, but um, I think he goes and wins. The final Furlong podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Tote is looking to bring pool betting back to the masses with better value, brilliant bets, and that slick new app. And what a week 
to join Tote if you haven't already. With the new Tote guarantee, you'll never be paid less than SP on win bets. And of course, if the pool pays more, you're getting the bigger price. And it's so easy to place your favorite bets online, including that beloved place pot of mine, but also exactors, trifectas, and with the French Paris Mutual betting into Cheltenham this year as well with the Tote, that means the pools have the potential to be massive. Do not miss the gravy. If you haven't got an account, join Tote today and enjoy a risk-free bet on any of their pools. Terms and conditions apply. Tote.co.uk is the site. The Ryanair is kind of like the second feature, if you like, of the day. Matt, the profile of horse that you're looking for in this race? Well, there are two main things so far. There have been 13 renewals as a grade one. Ten of them have gone to the first two in the SP market. So a bit like the Gold Cup, very predictable race. If you're betting anti-post, you want to be looking for something that's going to shorten into the front of the market. If you're betting on the day, then it's the front of the market you want to be looking at. And the other side of it, and we've touched on this already, is how much of an advantage it is to be a front runner in these um, intermediate distance chases that start in the middle of the course. So if you can find a front runner from the front of the market, you're probably going in the right direction. I like that, and I like the succinct way that you've put it as well. Rory Zalargi, the Ryanair chase. Move on. Matt, who is your selection for the race? Yeah, I've got a strong view, a bit of a contrarian view, I suspect. Uh, and I think Mellon should be favourite. Wow. Yeah. So going to be second. Um, well, when you come to the sort of each-way prices that we're talking about, you almost can't lose um, because uh, you know he isn't going to be out of the frame. But I think there, there are reasons for the fact that people have labelled him uh, as a horse with second-itis or who hardly ever wins, which is literally true, which I think are going to change here. And if you look at his runs this season, his last couple of runs in the three-mile grade ones, he ran a blinder in the saddles given he got a poor ride. There was too much light. He was going backwards and forwards through the, the field. He didn't settle, which is obviously what you want to do with a fast horse stepping up in trip. You can ignore the Irish Gold Cup where they tried exaggerated waiting tactics, which he doesn't like. But until that excellent Savills run, he'd been lapped in all four grade ones at Leopardstown. And every year he then improves hugely from the Dublin Racing Festival to Cheltenham. He's been second at the festival for the last four years. And there are some uh, good, very good judges, as Rory would say, who uh, name him a surrender monkey. And actually on a panel, she said the other day, that uh, last year's marsh was a question of Sam Crow and Mellon going after you, and that that's why <laughs> Fahid closed on them. Uh, it's almost a case of who bursts into tears last, I think, is the, uh, the theory. But I don't believe that. I've been watching that marsh again. Mellon was on the wrong stride, lost a bit of momentum at the last. He was half a length down on the run, and he was squeezed up by Sam Crow. He had every excuse to shirk it. He rallied. He was done on the nod. Yeah, he's in front just before and after the line. And Fahim should be closing on them because he was outpaced and he was a three-miler. Mm. So I'm not having it that uh, he's too soft to, to win a race at the festival. You actually look at this. We know this trip suits him perfectly. He can use his jumping. The cheap pieces back on. Forcing tactics are absolutely ideally suited here. And he's back at the festival where he always peaks. And he's often very well backed. So everything's set up for him. 
Um, he's absolutely the best each way bet of the day with me because I can't see him being out of the three. And unlike a lot of people, I can see him winning. Bizarrely, uh, and I know that my line at the start of this was Mellon, who's guaranteed to finish second. I can see him winning as well. It is some Cheltenham record. I totally see where you're coming from. And I, I massively respect the opinion. Alaho, this is his trip. He doesn't really want three miles. Petrol tank emptied when he took on Champ last year. Who knows what happened in the John Durkin. He certainly didn't want three miles when he took on a Plutard. He was good last time out against LMA, who's gone on one one since and is favourite for the mayor's race. So it's Alaho for me. I think he's got a cracking chance. Let's see how it plays out. The stairs hurdle. Paisley Park, a former winner of this race two years ago, is your favourite. Sire de Burley. The word is out in the virtual Cheltenham preview panel, and he's been cut into fours. Roy, who wins the stairs hurdle? I would throw in Fury Road as the type to do better than he's done this season. Um, he's, he's got the right kind of profile for this. Uh, as we've seen in recent years, the last few winners, uh, Penhill, Paisley Bartlett, and the Gar Oscar, have all come through the Albert Bartlett. Um, Penhill winning that, um, and uh, uh, Listen Gar Oscar being quite a big fancy for it. Uh, as a novice, I uh, think he was, he was second favourite going into the meeting. Um, and then it, was, it wasn't disappointing. He ran quite well on that. But the fact that he went off 50s for this last year rather belied his place in the uh, in the novice ranks. Uh, in a way, Fury Road is a bit like him um, in that he hasn't quite uh, pressed on this season. But he, he did um, He did win on his uh, seasonal reappearance. Uh, he won a, a grade two at Manchester, not the strongest grade two you're ever going to see. He was 4 to 11 for that. Uh, and he disappointed in the Christmas hurdle. I thought the Christmas hurdle was just was was uh, a race to ignore completely. I think it's I think it's very very dubious um, form in terms of uh, getting the pecking order. I don't think the way they finished was an indication of um, of who the best hurdlers in uh, the strip in Ireland are at the moment. Wow! I'd be massively massively against Florian Porter. You just do not believe that form for one second. No, I mean the time is dreadful. Which is which is uh, a good sign. They, got, they didn't. They went no pace. There was there was um, uh, tactical riding in behind. It got messy. Florian Porter was was rather uh, gifted it, uh, and then he's uh, as he's done in all starts this season. Now he's improving at a, at a rate of knots, but he's looked very wayward from the last hurdle and all his last three starts. Um, giving it away at, at Goran, he should have won in a handicap of one three one at Goran in October, and he mm. drifted all the way across the track and. Uh, and presented the race to the winner that day when he was guaranteed um, to win if he just kept a straight line. Um, he was he was a little better um, at Navan in his next start, but again, you know, he he didn't look straightforward and he hung to the left after the last hurdle uh, at Leperstown as well. So I'm I'm worried about him here. I think the track would would, would not be guaranteed to suit him at all. Um, you know, it, it may well be that he's just improving so fast that that. Um, uh, that he's caught me, um, you know, on the blind side. But I don't think that Leopardstown run really proves that he's a Grade One horse yet. He may be. He may have won a Grade One while being a Grade One horse uh, in a race that wasn't particularly indicative of the uh, of the merit in behind. Um, but I struggled to back him at a short price based on what I saw there. Uh, Fury Road obviously doesn't have a great chance with him on the basis of that run. He was beaten nine lengths by Florian Porter at level weights. Um, and there's no obvious excuse for him here. He did run a little bit better um, in the Boyne Hurdle at Navin last time out where he, he made the running. Don't think that suited him at all. Um, and you can argue that he was he was disappointing that he looked um, to have the race won at the last 
and he got run down, run down by Beacon Edge. But I think he just lacks a little bit of tactical pace and he didn't want to be making his, making his own running and being a target for Beacon Edge late there. He ran his best race um, in a well-run Albert Bartlett last year over three miles on this course. And I suspect that back in similar conditions, again, his runs this season have been in heavy grounds. Um, I think he might be capable of leaving this season's form behind um, back on a sounder surface and with other horses to make the running for him. Fury Road uh, for Rory DeLarge. Matt Toombs, Sarda Burley at 9-2. And do you agree with Rory that Flooring Porter was very flattered at Leopardstown at the Christmas meeting? Well, take that question first because it's the simplest one. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have floor important with stolen money, so I won't repeat them. I'd be a bit worried about Paisley Park, to be honest. He's looked a bit short of tactical pace in the long walk, and Roxanne dipped up the inside of him. That's usually much more of a test of stamina than the stayers hurdle. And given the heavy ground at Ascot this year, you'd think that would be the case again. So whether he retains the tactical pace for this, I'm not sure. You'd have to have the heart problem surfaced in last year's renewal in your mind. So although this is cutting up, I can see that he's a favourite to, to take on. Vindication's an incredible price, isn't he? I mean, he's a horse I like, but he hasn't run over hurdles for more than three years. I mean, listen to Oscar and Big Bucks, both one having reverted to hurdles mid-season. But this is a completely different challenge. It'd be extraordinary training performance from Kim Bailey if he wins here. But the last question, I think you asked about Cider Burley, and that, that's the, the horse I, I like in this. I did back in, in the autumn, and I... Got to be honest, I was thinking about jumping ship to Time Hill, but now I'm, I'm fairly uh, confident in my selection. He's been picked for the festival to win the Potemps final for the last two years. And you get to, if you're in the stands, you get to see something that you don't get seen on TV. And I've never seen a handicap, which has been a close finish at the festival, where the winner finished with so much in hand as Cider Burley did in that Potemps final last year. He was pulling really hard in the collecting areas as Barry tried to stop him. The likes of Racing Post ratings, Time Form had that a better, better performance than Lisengar Oscar's Stayers Hurdle. I think the Time Boys do as well. It was a cracking performance to win the Liz Mullen over two and a half in the autumn. That's not his trip. You can ignore Christmas for the reason Rory said. Gordon said before last year's festival he thought the ground might be too soft for him, that he appreciates better ground. So if the blinkers keep working, I think he's pretty much as likely a winner as Paisley Park. So he's very backable at, at nine to two. And I'm sure on the tote, you might actually get a bigger price. And again, you're getting that, that guaranteed SP as well. You sound pretty confident. I, I am, yeah. I, I really do like him. And it's one of those uh, races where I've been backing him for quite a while. I was really worried about Time Hill. Now he's come out of the race. I've, I've got concerns about Paisley Park, although he, obviously he can win. Florian Porter, I don't fancy at all. Vindication, I don't fancy at all. So you're then into the bigger priced horses. So, yeah, I, I really like it. Nice. Roy Delargy, to just confirm your selection again. Fury Road. Fury Road to confirm the potato race form uh, with Monkfish last season. But Matt Toombs is as confident as I've ever heard him about Sire de Burley for Sneezy Foster and J.P. McManus. Rory, I suspect you're out of time. I am afraid I am out of time, so I'm okay. very good company for the for the rest of the races with Matt. Uh, if you want me, me to give a nap, normally catch me on the back foot with that, I will go for St. Calvados in the Ryanair. Excellent. Farkla, you were very interested in him for the Ultima. Is he a horse you'd be interested in for the place? Yeah, he's still interested. I mean, there'd be a few who'd interest me there, and I, I thought his run style... 
I thought he stayed three miles well enough at Leopard's I thought his run style would have suited the ultimate and, and the weakness of that race as well. But he's obviously a player in the plate as well, yeah. Okay, Rory, off you go, my man. We will chat to you with Tom Ball for our preview of uh, the final day of Cheltenham, Gold Cup Day. Until then, my friend, chat to you soon and uh, stay safe, my man. That is Rory de Gravy, who has a... Uh, has uh, an appointment uh, and uh, I'm afraid has got to go. But you are in good hands because Matt Toombs is here and uh, Matt will take us through and we'll just bang in the winners for his left, right and centre. So I hope I didn't big you up too much there as we look at... (laughs) As we look at the dawn run. Novices hurdle. I have got one in this race, but I want to. I've got one, but I'm very, very keen to hear what you have to say. First of all, the dawn run, which to be fair, it's almost an insult that Peter Fahey's Royal Kahala has taken over his favoritism. How dare they? Willie Mullins has dominated this race over the years. Is there a certain kind of profile that stands out so far on the uh, very small evidence that we have? Or is it just a case of who you're with, Matt? As you say, only five renewals. So I wouldn't want to be trying to build too many trends at the moment. You said Willie's won all five of them. I do like to try and profile the different races with Willie. So, for example, there's a long-standing stat in the bumper about the fact that his first string very rarely does best of his horses, let alone mm. win. Um, mm. Because he does, uh, yeah, they're so lightly raced. He doesn't push the buttons at home, so he goes mob-handed, and he doesn't know his pecking order. But one is always the buzz horse. By contrast, in the Supreme and the Ballymore, his first string almost always does best, and that's because often he's gone to somewhere like the Dublin Racing Festival, sorted his pecking order then, and you know by the time you get to the festival which are the Mullins horses to be backing. So try to work out what, which of those two scenarios, if either, it, it is here. The first three renewals were one in good style by the Mullin Top Pot. Then Eglatine de Soy won at 50 to 1, when my sister Sarah was the first one at 13 to 2. Last year, Concertista was marginally the second string in the betting behind Cole Reavy. I don't think that there's a, a strong trend one way or the other about uh, that emerging as yet. And the vibes all season were that she wears it well, was a fair bit in front of the other Mullins, novice hurdling mares. I'm sure there will be a, a Mullins gamble, but I, I think for once it's worth taking them on. And one of the reasons I know how to pronounce Royal Kahala's name is because I've backed her. Oh. She clashed with Hookup uh, in January. Hookup made a characteristic mistake at the last there at Fairy House, but even allowing for that loss of momentum, Royal Kahala swept past her as if she wasn't there, one by five lengths on the bridle. And it was very interesting listening to Willie afterwards. And he's repeated it several times, basically saying Royal Kahala is the best novice mare in Ireland. And I think he really fancied Hookup, thought she ran her race and was very impressed with, with the winner. Now, Royal Kahala has then gone on to the Solarina, taken on Rosie's Hollow and Gulwars. And that was a bit of a funny tactical race. Rosie's Hollow got a dream run through the inside there to win by a couple of lengths. But the weights at the dawn run are hugely different. Royal Kahala's got a £9 pull with Rosie's Hollow there, a £6 pull with Gulwars. So she's really favoured by it. And Peter Fahey did an interview the other day. He said one of those classic frustrating things that trainers say, which is there are a few niggly things that weren't quite right in the Solarina that we've solved now. <laughs> you just want to shake them and go, just tell us what they are. Just tell us what they are. <laughs> 
that's a that's very useful. Thanks very much. That's that's fantastic. That might imply she'll improve at Cheltenham. What was more useful, he said the other day in a, a separate thing, was that looking at her action at home, you wouldn't say she needed soft ground. Now, she's by Fleming's first, obviously a key influence for soft ground. But the dam side of her breeding suggests she wants fast ground. So if her action's such that she'll go on any ground, that at the very least shouldn't inconvenience her, might bring out further improvement. And I think she should be a pretty strong favourite at the weights here. So I think she's a good bet at around 9-2 to two Royal Kahala in a year where there isn't a Lorena star standout. I could easily see that. But as I said... Who've you got? If you can hear a siren in the background, I think they're coming for me. Oh, shit. Oh, they're coming for me. Only the ambulance you need about Friday afternoon. It's all right. They've, uh, they have they missed me. They, they, um, they went past. David Mullins was on this podcast. I'm very interested to hear what Matt Toombs' reaction is going to be to this because he put up as one of the strongest bets of the week Sky Ace for the Shark Handling. Yeah. It's been a long-term plan for the Shark. Off the track for 102 days. Big, big price when she beat Queensbrook. Big price again. People didn't believe the form when she uh, slammed the sliding rock in the Shark Handling war room. The decision was made that they were going to train her at home, do a few race course gallops, get her ready for Cheltenham, Land the gravy. What do you think? Well, she's been hugely underestimated twice, hasn't she? They, they went a really strong pace at Down Royal when she won at 66 to 1, beating Queen's Brook, as you said. She looked like she picked up the pieces, so they, she wasn't taken seriously the next day either, and she won at 28 to 1. When horses keep doing that and they keep winning, and she's obviously improved hugely. She was with Willie Mullins, of course, wasn't she? Yes, she was, yeah. The irony of Sky Ace winning the Mayor's Novices Hurdle, the race that Willie Mullins has dominated with the Willie Mullins cast-off. Yeah, and it's it's not impossible. Um, certainly a few people are, you hear talking to, um, Brian Galt of Galt Stats, who does a fantastic job with his L- website. Legend. Uh, festival. Um, so definitely give that a look if you're into stats and trends. No charge for it, but Brian is always indefatigable in raising money for good courses. So he asks for a small donation. But I know he's very sweet on this horse. I've heard one or two other people are as well. You're going to get a price on the horse because of who trains it. Mm. And that's not anyone dishing Shark Hanlon, as you say, who's proved what he can do. But everyone's going to be looking for the Willie Mullins horse here. And it's an open year. You know, sometimes you get to this race, and since Christmas, there's been one or two really well fancy for it this year it, it looks wide open it might not take that strong a performance to to win it she's a horse i'm extremely excited about i'll put it i'll put it that way yeah and she's she's definitely got a chance in an open race um uh, the fact that she's left willie mullins to go to shark hanlon i definitely wouldn't start thinking oh she can't have been any good then and therefore she must have been flattered i think she's just a horse that's improved a lot she's won a couple of conditions races this year um, she's only six but she goes with a, a chance in an open renewal Royal Kahala for Peter Fahey did I pronounce that correctly? perfect I don't believe it and for me it is Sky Ace let's get the gravy here Royal Kahala and Sky Ace and exacto with the tote that will pay 
a nice few quid. I think we'll be having a, a Zoom virtual celebration if uh, <laughs> if that manages to come up. I suspect Matt Toombs has sent out a few minions to uh, have a few quid on. Have to do the shop run at the moment, but uh, we'll get them, We'll get it on somehow. I think now uh, the Matt Toombs wheelbarrow has been sent out, and a few quid has been put on already. So we'll we'll see. I am very proud to say that the final Fulham podcast is proudly brought to you by Toast. Now under new management and looking to bring pool betting back to the masses with better value, brilliant bets, and that slick new app, which if you can't access in Ireland, don't worry. Just go to tote.co.uk. It's the very same as tote.ie. They are one and the same, and you'll get the benefits of the mobile site, which is absolutely class. And also, you can just put it onto the homepage of your phone or tablet as well for easy access. With the new Tote Guarantee, you will never be paid less than SP on win bets. And of course, if the pool pays more, you will get the bigger price. Doesn't that sound good? Especially when it's never been easier to place your favorite bets online, including the place pot and scoop six. Who doesn't want to do the place pot for Cheltenham each day? And when I tell you this, that the French, the Paris Mutual, that pool is also betting into Cheltenham this year. Think of all the gravy that you are missing if you are not involved with toast.co.uk. More importantly, Toast aren't a bookie, so they will never close down winning accounts or stop you from having a big bet. So no restrictions during Cheltenham, no stress during Cheltenham. So remember, winners are more than welcome. You are more than welcome. I don't know what more to say to you. If you haven't signed up yet, maybe... A risk-free bet will seal it for you. Join today at tote.co.uk. Terms and conditions apply. One of the most interesting races of the entire festival is going to end up being the, the Kim Muir. And I say that because it's going to be professional jockeys. How are you going to approach this race? As you say, it, it's a very different race in that sense this year. That will have a big impact on how you approach it and how you approach the anti-post. There are a couple of things that I think still will apply. The first one is that this is a real test of stamina. Mm. With the doling out being a bit different every year, it's slightly different every year. But last year, it was six yards further than the Gold Cup. So it's the full Gold Cup course and distance. Punters shouldn't assume that this is now just a 0 to 145 equivalent of the Ultima. It's about 300 yards further on a stiffer track. So it's a, it's a test for proper stayers. The other part of it is that the Kim Muir has traditionally been a plot race in terms of recent form. There are very few plot races left at the festival now. Basically, this and the Grand Annual. Do you think this is still a plot race? I think so, because it's only recently that we found out that amateurs couldn't ride. So mm. all the preparation that's been going on has been going on for months here. I mean, the, to put it in context, the last winner to have won a race earlier in the season of this was Spring Hill seven years ago. You know, horses classically line up with a load of duck eggs next to their name, often with decent course or festival form previously, mm. and then suddenly they come alive uh, at, at this meeting. 
So I think that will still be the same. But that and the stamina will be the two things I would be focusing on here. The package. Didn't the package come in with no form whatsoever for David Pipe and they landed a right old touch with him with Jamie Codd on board? Absolutely. And a lot of these horses are not just, I said, no winner won a race earlier in the season since Spring Hill seven years ago. Most of them have been beaten a distance virtually every run. The package was a classic example of that. Mm. So don't worry too much about looking for a recent... Uh, form with a really progressive horse you're looking for class often a horse that's been laid out for it and that will be suited by this real stamina test okay so with that in mind who have you backed well i've actually backed one in this i've only had a couple of bets um, in the handicaps so far oh uh, i've backed kerry lee's storm control sorry folks i gotta go do some business keep going keep the show going there my man I was keen on him for the Ultima on Tuesday. I think I'll trust Kerry Lee's judgment that this is the right race for him. He might not have stayed the three-mile-five in the classic handicap chase at Warwick on testing ground last year. He may just not like Warwick. He'd been pulled up on three of his four starts there and beat miles in the other. But that's the sort of marathon chase that often produces winners of the Kim Muir Missed approach a couple of years ago. High chimes have been pulled up in that before coming on here. So don't worry about the fact that the, these horses have been running over further. Oh, they'll be too slow. I'm looking for a two and a half miler stepping up in trip. Milan native was a bit of an aberration last year, but generally you're, you're looking for proven stamina. And the thing about Storm Control, he won both his starts at Cheltenham and he looked really progressive until that last run at Warwick. He looked like he was going to win really easily off 137 in a grade three handicap here in December. He pulled himself up on the run in and only won by about a length. That form's decent. Potter's Legend was favourite for the Vets final. Ran well enough there in fifth, given he didn't jump very well. And then he was best of the rest behind Royal Pagai and the Peter Marsh. The crucial thing about Ray was that Storm Control had almost stopped to a walk on the run in, having been about 10 lengths ahead, jumping the last. And then when Potter's Legend and Court Maid came at him, the way he picked up to win going away from a very slow pace that he was going at that point uphill, that to me suggests he's got tons left in hand. Only five pound higher for that. Had he finished the race in a normal fashion, as it were, and won by 10 lengths, he'd be 10 or a dozen pounds higher instead. He's a really good jumper. So the sort of horse that get into a rhythm here. And I think he could still be well handicapped. And you're saying you've already backed this horse? I've already backed this horse, yeah. Storm Control is already backed by Matt Toombs, one of the shrewdest in the game. That is the horse that we shall be backing to win the Kim Muir. i got to get a lucky 15 out of the two of us. Okay for the day maybe we'll be greedy and go a lucky 31 well, do you want to do this as a win multiple or each way I'm happy to go each way okay so if you're going to going each way I, uh, I'll go with well, Storm Control and Melon for my two Storm Control and Melon I will happily put in the boss's Oscar and Sky Ace so the question then becomes, do we go greedy and make this a lucky 31? In which case we need something we both really fancy, don't we? What was your stance on the stairs hurdle? Sire de Burley. And you made a very good case for Sire de Burley as well. Let's go. Sire de Burley. Done. Will we say a, a pound each way? Sounds good. What does it pay? Yeah, my man. Pack your suitcase, my friend. 
We're going to head off and have a few drinks with uh, Magner, Tabor, Smith. 124,307 pounds and 25 pence. That'll do it. I think that'll do. I think that'll be all right. Thank you very, very much. Game on. And the bet's on as well. An absolute pleasure, my friend. Um, Matt Toombs coming on the Final Furlong Podcast and giving you his advice for day three of Cheltenham. I promise you, that's invaluable information. And uh, I very much appreciate it. Pleasure, Um, Have a great week and be lucky. And you too, my man. And uh, the same goes to you. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for all the kind words on social media. We will chat to you again for day four of the Final Furlong Podcast. God bless. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Try Tote today and get a risk-free bet on the pools.